Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And today I want to talk uh, a little bit about the fate of ethnic Germans in Czechoslovakia after the Second World War and the mass expulsions uh, that took place um, after the, uh, the end of hostilities. It's worth considering, actually, that the idea that hostilities had ended in May 1945 is really quite misleading. Europe is racked with violence um, from uh, Italy and France all the way over to um, the uh, Soviet Union, to uh, the new Soviet satellite states, and even parts of the Soviet Union, such as Ukraine and Belarus, um, after the end of fighting, uh, after the supposed end of fighting in uh, 1945, Europe is um, a violent continent for uh, several years thereafter, as old scores were settled, uh, as vast shifts in populations uh, occurred, um, and uh, as uh, new governments um, replacing old fascist ones uh, took their uh, revenge on those who they had seen as being collaborating with the Nazis uh, across Europe. Um, so, very quickly, we're going to look at Giles McDonough's brilliant book, uh, After the Reich. Um, he is a really, really uh, first-rate uh, academic when it comes to uh, German history, and he has produced a first-rate um, examination of Germany from the three years uh, of 1945 to 1948, and it includes Austria as well. So to give us a little bit of context here, um, Giles McDonough uh, explains uh, about the uh, Sudetenland before the outbreak of the Second World War, and obviously um, the relationship between the Sudetenland and the uh, Czech crisis uh, of 1938, uh, which led to uh, Chamberlain's shuttle diplomacy um, at Munich. He writes, 
The so-called Sudetenland and its German population had been one of the causes of the war. Hitler had taken up the complaints of the Sudetenlander, Bohemians and Moravians under the leadership of Konrad Henlein. Their mistreatment had prompted the Munich Agreement of September 1938, which ceded much of the border area to Germany, leaving the rest of the country defenceless. In the spring of 1939, German tanks rolled into Prague. It's true to say that the Sudetenlander had their grievances. Former subjects of the Austrian crown, their towns and villages formed a deep ring around the Czech lands. They also made up a large percentage of the populations of Prague and Brünn, Iglau and Zwitau. In Slovakia, there were the Insel und Streudeutsche, uh, island and straw Germans. And there were German communities in the Carpathian Mountains and a colony uh, amounting to just under a third of the city of Pressburg or Bratislava. In Tropau, they were wholly intermingled with the Slavs and spoke their own patois called Slonzakish. But in most areas, they maintained a fierce division. They felt they had been duped at Saint-Germain-en-Laye, um, the treaty essentially ending um, the Austrian Empire at the end of the Second World, at the end of the First World War. In October 1919, when the Allies finally refused them a right of self-determination, as promised by Woodrow Wilson's 14 points. Benes, um, representing Czechoslovakia, had proclaimed that his state would be the new Switzerland, with minority rights ensured by a system of cantons, or, you know, uh, small provinces. This never happened. All German speakers, including German-speaking Jews, were affected by the new state which cut them off from their capital, Vienna, from the business, government and friends and relations. The West had granted the, Czech, uh, the, the Czech's leader um, the historic Czech territory of Bohemia and Moravia, together with Slovakia. Over the centuries, however, huge numbers of Germans had settled in the Czech lands and the Hungarians in the Slovak East. The Czechs became the political lords and masters of the new state, though they amounted to just 51% of the population. The Germans formed nearly a quarter, but the Slavic Slovaks could not be expected to side with them, so it would always be two against one. Conflict was pre-programmed. There were even attempts to break up the German lands by planting Czech colonies. So that's an interesting point that Giles McDonough makes. A conflict was pre-programmed. Pre-programmed by what? Well, by the uh, the map drawing at the Treaty of Versailles, by the need of Britain and France to create what they refer, the French referred to as the Cordon Sanitaire, a line of uh, Western Allied democratic states in Eastern Europe that bisected um, Eastern Europe and created a barrier between a revanchist Germany and a resurgent Soviet Union. The nightmare scenario that Western democracies had is that these two countries would actually not fight one another, but be able to interact um, and cooperate and work together and uh, present uh, a central uh, block uh, against um, the, the Versailles powers. So that cordon sanitaire was pretty, pretty crucial. And 
um, putting together Bohemia and Moravia in a short space of time into a new state, Czechoslovakia, uh, along with the Slovaks who create Czechoslovakia, meant that um, there were very quickly going to be fundamental uh, ethnic tensions within the state that uh, an opportunist figure like Hitler would later be able to exploit. Now, um, I've talked at length in the past about the uh, the Munich crisis, so I won't go into all that right now. Um, but um, just to kind of um, fast forward a little bit um, towards the um, the end of the war, obviously in um, early 1939 uh, Prague is occupied and um, by the end of the Second World War it is the Soviet Union that uh, for want of a better word liberates Czechoslovakia and here we uh, go to Edvard Benes um, leader of the um, government in exile um, who um, when victory was in sight um, at the end of the Second World War, he left London, um, where the Czech government in exile had been residing, and went to Moscow. Um, before he went, he, the um, uh, Benes told um, the British ambassador to the Czech government in exile, Philip Nichols, that he would basically require the German population of Czechoslovakia to be uh, transferred out of the country. Their citizenship would have to be revoked, and if that did not happen, there would be riots, fights, massacres of Germans uh, would take place. Um, The assurance that he got was from Vyacheslav Molotov, uh, Stalin's foreign minister, um, and obviously it was the Soviets that would determine the facts on the ground the British could do little more than nod their heads and um, give approval. At the end of the Second World War, there was a prevailing attitude in Great Britain that things that happened in Czechoslovakia or Yugoslavia or Hungary, whilst regrettable, would have no bearing on the British and were none of the British's business, Um, uh, none of the business of the British government anyway. Um, and you might as well just allow history to take on its bloody course because there's not a great deal you can do about it which is perhaps um, a little hard-hearted but ultimately realistic Um, Molotov assured him that the expulsions would be but a trifle Uh, Benej received the necessary assurances from Stalin Stalin said This time we shall destroy the Germans so that they can never again attack the Slavs. It's interesting that Stalin is speaking in this sort of pan-Slavic kind of language, this pan-Slavic sort of rhetoric. He also assured the Czechs uh, in Moscow that he would not meddle in the domestic affairs of a Slav nation, which in retrospect gives a rather clearer idea of how much his word could be relied upon, i.e. not at all. Um... So Benish then left Moscow um, in uh, the end of March 1945. On the 1st of April, um, he went to the Ukraine. Um, his goal there was to go to Kozic in uh, Slovakia 
And where he eventually remained, uh, he was travelling essentially with the um, the Red Army, um, and he remained there uh, while the Russians and the Americans uh, carved up uh, the country, uh, and the Czechs rose up uh, thereafter. One thing that's surprising to note is how close Patton, the uh, maverick American general, came towards Prague. He was told by Eisenhower, his boss, that under no circumstances should he uh, occupy Prague. And so uh, he stopped in the um, uh, bohemian town of Baran. Um, but it was the, the Czechs who wanted, for very good political reasons, wanted the right to view themselves as their own liberators um, in order to guarantee that they had some kind of rights that negotiate. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Negotiating table um, when various um, great powers, particularly the Soviets, would decide their future by being able to show that um, they had done some of the fighting for themselves, they could then have some kind of uh, legitimate claim that they had a right to um, a voice um, when their country was being the, the future of their country was being decided. Um, Giles MacDonough writes on the sixth of May, the Red Army reached Berna. The day before, Benesh uh, heard that Prague had risen against the Germans. Benesh actually uh, got to Prague um, significantly later uh, than he'd intended. He wound up there um, after the end of the war, um, eight days after the end of the the, uh, the war had been uh, announced. He got there after the Red Army had uh, arrived. He... Um, was 
clear right from the very get-go, however, how things were going to play out. Um, in one of his uh, first public pronouncements that had taken place on the 5th of April, 1945, he'd written, Whoa, 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 thrice woe to the Germans, we will liquidate you. He said, and this was uh, over, over the wireless, um, he issued a series of decrees, what uh, were referred to as the Kozici uh, decrees. Number five declared all Germans and Hungarians to be politically unreliable and their possessions were therefore to fall to the Czech state. The Kozici uh, program unleashed um, a, uh, a wave of uh, retribution, revenge, he legitimised uh, vigilante action and hatred against Germans. Um, no matter, uh, in the case of the Czechs, how justified that felt. Um, the new um, ju- uh, division of uh, the, the Red Army, uh, made up of Czech emigres and uh, uh, General Svoboda, um, was uh, really kind of quite active in its vigilante actions wherever it went. Um, they were not interested in innocence or guilt, they were interested in finding uh, Germans. Um, on the 12th of May, writes Charles McDonough, um, uh, Benes repeated his threats in Brno. We have decided that we have to liquidate the German problem in our republic once and for all. On the 19th of June uh, came the first of the retribution decrees. Nazi criminals, traitors and their supporters were to be tried before extraordinary people's courts. These um, were very simple tribunals. They were not really famed for their jurisprudence. It took 10 minutes to try a man and send him down for 15 years. There were 475 official capital sentences, uh, executions. Uh, 30 death sentences were handed out for those involved in the massacre at Lidici. Uh, in 1942, uh, where the city, the, uh, the village of Ladici was uh, razed to the ground in response to the um, Czech, um, or the Anglo-Czech assassination of Reinhard Heydrich, um, a court would uh, then a national court would then examine war crimes on the 21st of June. Uh, came another decree. All persons of German and Hungarian nationality, traitors or quislings, were to lose their land. Germany would pay reparations. There would be no compensation for loss of citizenship or property. This measure was referred to as the little decree. Oh, the, the last measure, I beg your pardon, was referred to the little decree of, um, referred to as the little decree on the 27th of October. And it laid down the punishment for those who had offended against national honour. On the 6th of August, Benej had spoken at Prague University, um, which was something that had a kind of uh, real um, resonance for Germans as Prague University was considered to be a Germanic university and one of the oldest seats of learning in the Germanic-speaking world. He uh, said with kind of as much kind of brutality as possible, um, we know that liberal society is in theory and practice an anachronism. Um, At this point, already 800,000 Germans had either fled the country 
or being being chased out. Now, in total, um, the scholarship, the, the, the last uh, and most reliable scholarship that I saw on the subject of the mass expulsions was that 15 million Germans between 1943 and about 1951 left um, the region basically from between the Volga River and the German border uh, and uh, were expelled or deported westwards. Um, and about half a million died uh, along the way. Um, were all of them um, innocent victims? Uh, quite possibly not. Um, a great many had perhaps in some way uh, participated in the death and destruction that Germany had wrought upon Europe. However, it becomes uh, an extremely kind of morally fraught way of, of examining the past um, to kind of deny the humanity of the um, those who were uh, victims, those who, through no fault of their own, happened to have the wrong ethnicity at the end of the war. Um, in order to implement Benes's um, various uh, decrees, there were uh, what were referred to euphemistically as judicial volunteers and a committee of investigation. Um, and so there were uh, plenty of um, con former concentration camp inmates, many of who had been in Dachau or Buchenwald, um, and the, uh, there were those who had uh, suffered immensely at the hands of the Nazis and who were um, looking for uh, revenge, looking for payback uh, as a result. And these mainly young men, um, by the end of September 1945, had managed to round up about 100,000 prisoners, of which 89,000 were German-speaking um, and the other 10,000 or so were Czech. Um, these were Czech uh, people suspected of collaboration um, and those who were uh, considered to be uh, politically unreliable. Bear in mind, of course, at this point, it's another three years in Czechoslovakia before a communist government manages to come to power. None of this is being done by communists. This is being done by the um, uh, Czech government in exile, who are most um, uh, likely to orient themselves towards um, the Western powers. Um, and what you really have in the guise of Benes is a figure who is using popular anger and outrage against the occupation of Czechoslovakia to establish themselves as a, uh, a populist leader and use the, uh, the wave of violence uh, against German civilians um, uh, in order to, to establish this. To make that point, um, Giles MacDonald writes, As another historian puts it, the atrocities were not driven from above, but they uh, were, without the toleration of the authorities in Prague, they would hardly have been able to persist into the summer months. In the end, even the British, who had encouraged the purge, protested to Benesch about excesses, and there was a distinct turning down of the heat. 
while the big three met at Potsdam. Expelling the Germans was a vote catcher, but not a measure likely to make friends, especially with the Poles. In retrospect, it has been hard to find mitigating circumstances to excuse Benesch, apart from the fact that he was old and ill and thought he might defeat the communists by unleashing the terror himself. So, one final point to make about this is that the British and the Americans, um, whilst not wishing to uh, endorse Stalinist measures, but with some degree of approval to the expulsions of Germans, not necessarily out of a sense of vindictiveness, um, there was certainly indifference there, but because they knew that that the problem with Versailles had been uh, non-homogenous nation-states in Eastern Europe, countries that were tapestries of ethnic divisions and uh, rivalries and um, uh, uh, inter-ethnic violence, and uh, homogenous states, countries where um, there was almost an overwhelming majority in Poland of Poles, in Hungary, of Hungarians, of in Czechoslovakia, of Czechs and Slovaks, that uh, that was more likely to create a stable Europe. And indeed, it is as if to prove this rather unpleasant point, the one country in the 20th century um, that erupts into violence in the post-war era is obviously the multi-ethnic Yugoslavia. Anyway, I'm going to finish there uh, and we'll pursue this a little bit further, uh, perhaps later in the year. Thanks very much for listening um, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. All the best. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.